Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio, the podcast that features hundreds of interviews with the successful students from the proven Amazon course. That's right. That's our flagship training course that contains everything from new modules for people who are brand new, never sold anything online before. They don't know what they're doing. Clueless e-commerce newbies, all the way up to the most advanced e-commerce strategists and success stories that you'll ever meet in our community. They all use the same library of content called the Proven Amazon course. Multiple modules, no matter where you are, we've got what you need next. This podcast features hundreds of those interviews. We've got a free Facebook group at silentgym.com. You can click in there and see 74,000 plus people hanging out all day, every day, discussing the strategies from that course. It's only $39 a month and it's all you'll ever need. So we're starting the day off that way, making sure if there's any new listeners today that you know exactly what this show is about, who it's for and what we can do for you. Hey, we just had an episode recently that was with a good friend of mine. I've gotten very close to him over the last five, six months. His name is Kang Dang. And he's built a $3 million business approximately. That's what his 2023 sales were, approximately 3 million at very nice margins. But the best part is couple things. He's using the systems we teach in the Proven Amazon course, the replens model specifically, which is where we start about 99% of all of our new students with that model. Well, he's built a beautiful business, but it's hands-free. He comes from a software engineering background, and he's built a beautiful software program that up until now he's been using just for his own business. We're in the process right now with a few dozen leaders from our community we're testing it out as far as how to roll it out. It's one thing to use software for yourself. It's another thing to roll it out to a large group of people. We're successfully rolling it out to a good number of businesses right now. They're beginning to use these strategies. It has a lot of really cool features. And I want you to get on the waiting list so you can see how low price this is and how feature-packed it is, how easy it's going to be to roll your current systems into this catch-all system that really does a lot of neat things that we don't see being done anywhere else. So imagine this, you've got a bunch of ASINs, a bunch of products that you're selling against on Amazon. Wouldn't it be nice to have some kind of alert anytime any of those old ASINs that you used to sell on become viable again? It does things like that. He's able to run a $3 million operation with thousands of different products with two people in his warehouse because of this software. It's pretty incredible. We want you to go over to silentgym.com slash the system, all one word silentgym.com slash the system to see a little bit more about what we've got coming in early 2024, as well as listen to King's story. And as powerful as his business success story is, I think you're really going to want to pay attention to the first half hour or so of that episode. 754 is the number if you scroll back a few episodes from this one, uh, because he just had easily the, the hardest year of his life while making these things happen. And you can hear the rest of the story in that episode, but just completely tragic circumstances. He's fought through it. He's closer to his wife and his family now than he's ever been before. And he's in a great place as you'll hear, but they faced a serious tragedy. And it's just a great episode. So I wanted to remind those who maybe took the Christmas season off. Hey, you missed a few really, all of our episodes are great, but you missed a good one. Today's episode what you're going to hear in just a moment is another Coach's Corner. We love doing Coach's Corner. That's when we bring on Brian and Robin Joy Olson, typically two of the great coaching leaders on our team who interact with dozens of different students from our community every single week. They're a couple of our lead coaches. 
not only do they have a beautiful business, which is a prerequisite to be a coach on our team, you have to run a beautiful business doing the stuff that we teach here, the proven Amazon course strategies, right? All of our coaches are good with those, but they have a few extra hours a week and they commit that to coaching. We've got about 60 coaches and we'd love to help you have a conversation with you about your business and see if what we have to offer is a good fit. We promise it's not going to be a high pressure thing. We're going to help you make a good decision, see if coaching is a right fit for you, for where you're at, give you a lot of good free information and advice based on 20 plus years of coaching around 10,000 students in e-commerce. Yeah, that's where we get all these success stories. We've got about 2,000 success posts in our free Facebook group, like I said. They all come from our course, Proven Amazon course, and our coaching program. We'd love to have you check it out. Go to silentgym.com slash book a call, all one word, to get a call with our team and we'll have a conversation with you about it. But today's episode, like I mentioned, is going to be a coach's corner with Brian and Robin Joy Olson taking us full steam ahead into 2024 with lots of really good insights and observations, uh, including some updates on this whole selling above buy box thing. You know, way back in uh, episodes 554 and 555 of this show, we started talking a lot about something that some people were seemingly confused about. And we've illustrated it many, many times that you don't have to compete on price to win consistent sales on Amazon. You just don't. Once you know what to look for, once you know the signs, and once it's not easy, I'm sorry, it's not complicated stuff. It's fairly easy to pick up on these skills. There's a module in the Proven Amazon course that shows it to you where I give about 50 examples from my own Amazon seller account on items that are selling consistently well above the price that Amazon shows on the buy box. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to do that? They talk about the reality of how that's going. They also talk about how much money you need to really get started. We see people all the time with just a few hundred dollars. And how do you spread out your funds if you're just getting started with limited funds? I love that segment of the show that you're going to hear today. Uh, you don't want to spend all your money right up front and just kind of dive in. No, you want to take a slow and steady approach, regardless of how much reserves you have and how much funds you have to throw at your business. That's not really an advantage until, as you'll hear on today's show, you've got the skills, you've got the ASIN hunting abilities. You can find those test-worthy products that you should be putting some money behind. If you just throw a bunch of cash at it, you're not going to grow quickly. You're just going to, to burn through cash. So we prevent that. We've minimized risk with the strategies we teach here. So they dive into that and several other great topics, as you'll see in the show notes. I just love these episodes with Brian and Robin Joy. One last little thing, the Proven Conference tickets will go on sale very soon. May of 2024 is coming at us fast. The 23rd through the 25th of May, we're going to be in Orlando. Hundreds from this community, fellow listeners to this podcast are going to gather. Many of the guests you've heard interviewed on this show, a lot of the coaches on our team, we're all going to be there. A lot of the great sponsors and products that support the businesses of this community. Can't wait to see you there. Get over to this website. It's three words. Remember, three words, theprovenconference.com. That's the website. You can see a lot about it, but we're going to be adding more information and tickets go on sale ideally in January, as soon as possible. We're going to have tickets on sale. We've already got several hundred people locked in, ready to come, VIPs who acted fast last year uh, when we had a short sale at our last live event. They're all locked in. So it's going to be a tremendous event at a great resort. We've got a very reduced price, very family-friendly, right next to SeaWorld in Orlando. You guys are going to love this thing. If you can make it, you've got to come, even if only for the first day. 
to swing by if you live in the area. You've got to be at this event. We're super excited about what we have to announce. So many new success stories, so many new modules coming your way as students of this community, so many ways to build your income streams in 2024. It's going to be a beautiful year. We're determined around here to keep bringing you the tremendous value that you're used to and accustomed to. So many great success stories lined up. And with that introduction, I'm going to turn the microphone over to my good friends, Brian and Robin Joy Olson. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Hey, Brian. So It's you- evening again. Oh, we're doing this at night a lot. You see the dark window behind us. Well, it seems like it's night when it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I know. It's dark God. outside. Yeah, it's already, sun goes down fast in, in Colorado, so too. I heard that we've already passed the shortest day of the year, but it's oh. only like, you know, a couple by a couple of seconds. Really? But we'll really start picking up steam after the uh, winter... Solstice? Solstice. Okay. December 21st. All right, we'll get ready. So then, days are then, gonna start then it'll longer. start being sunshine behind us instead of <laughs> there you <go>. darkness. <laughs> All right, what are we going to talk about today, Brian? Well, you know, we have these challenges as people getting started in this business frequently mm-hmm. around capital. Yes. Around, uh, well, cash we, flow is king, right? Cash flow, ASINs, time. Mm-hmm. We thought, mm-hmm. We've talked about these governors. We should right. probably revisit that at some point. Yeah. And I just wanted to share a story uh, of a client I was working with last week mm-hmm. who was just basically waiting for a payout. Mm-hmm. in order to go buy more stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's two things that that I'm reminded of about this particular situation. Number one, whatever your capital amount is, I like to spread that spend over like six weeks. Yeah, that's usually a good idea. When you're first getting started, spread it over about six weeks because... So let's just say, to keep the math easy, I'm not saying this is uh, the most realistic example, but if you've got $600 to start with, spend $100 a week each of the next six weeks. And why is that? Because the turnaround time for you to actually buy it, mm-hmm. prep it, ship it to Amazon, have them receive it, put an NFC transfer, become available, get sold to a customer, and then you get paid out on it mm-hmm. 50%. The day yeah, Amazon yeah. ships it, 50% af- eight days after the customer receives it, unless it's Q4, yeah. then this takes some time. Right. So we want to have this sort of runway where we're not like we didn't spend all that $600 in two weeks, and now we're waiting for a month to get some money back before we can go shopping again. Right. We want some consistent practice during that time. So spread it out a little bit so that you can be doing a little bit each week. And what happens if you have more time than you have money? Well, in this case, I was telling this particular client, okay, so here's what you do. You know, it solves that problem. More ACEs. More ACEs. Yeah. And then I was able to relate another story to this coaching client that I think illustrates the, the point so well, which is this. I had another coaching client who was came into coaching and had this planned payout of, of capital coming in like three and a half months or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was from sale of a home or stocks or whatever it was. Something, but, yeah. Right. And so rather than start on a small budget, he decided to just go ahead and source for these three months. And he followed the three-step check to find test-worthy ASINs. Okay. And over this course of three and a half months, found several hundred test-worthy ASINs. Yeah. This is all he would do because he wasn't doing anything else. So he was spending 10, 15 hours a week just sourcing. And once he got it, he got it. And he just kept adding them to yeah. his list. Yeah. So he got a lot of experience in sourcing 
right away before he spent any money. Right. And there were several check-ins with both of us sure. during that yeah. time where he was like, you know, is this right? Am, am I doing this right? Is mm-hmm. this, you know, would you test this ASIN also, et cetera. So then what happened when he got his money? So then what happened when he got his money was he started buying those test-worthy ASINs. And he could probably, when he sprinted that money out over six weeks, he probably buy quite a few at a time. He's he all did. ready to go. Yeah, well, he did. I don't remember exactly what the capital amount was, but here's what I do know. Within three months of him buying, he was selling $50,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. And this is what I like. We're seeing a lot of posts in the Facebook group about here's how my 2023 has gone, or here's my first six months in the business, right? And, you know, sometimes you see the slow climb. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes from nothing to thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a month in like a heartbeat. It seems like. It seems like. It seems like. And sometimes it, it might. I mean, we don't know exactly mm-hmm. how this works. But remember, that seems like it went really fast for somebody, but they might have put in a whole lot of work before. And we've seen that happen much more often, where it pops up after they've done a lot of work, a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of work, and then all of a sudden it's paying off. Right. And this is the, that, that was his experience exactly. So he sourced for three and a half, four months. Then he started sending in test worthy ASINs. And then within three months, he was doing $40,000, $50,000 a month. And, and now, what, yeah. what I want to say about that is that was basically just his run rate on his tests. Yes. Because at three months in, you barely have enough information to start replenishing. Right. Right. Yeah, he he probably had some things that he was replenishing from his first few shipments that got in there. Sure. Also remember that when you're the puzzle really comes together for most people when you do the sourcing and then you have the experience of the item selling or not selling on Amazon. Yes. That's when the synapses get connected in your mm-hmm. brain and you, and it starts to make sense and you're like, oh. Right. Now I understand why that happened or now I understand why that sold, why it didn't sell, why did I get you know, top dollar, why I didn't get top dollar. Yes, exactly. And this is why we don't put, for just testing, Mm -hmm. we only look at the three, the three points of uh, the three data points, velocity, uh, capital protection, and potential profit. Mm -hmm. The reason we don't go into all kinds of other things, there's a lot more information, but it doesn't really do us any good until we test. Once we've tested and we've seen where that's going to sell, we can look back at that sales number and then go in that in other information like how many offers there are, how many of those are FBA, how many, uh, you know, what kind of velocity is there really? Where is will it, it a really sell? You can fill in, a, is it a variation? You can fill in a whole lot more of that information that's much more valuable after you've sent a test in. So we don't bother with that before the test, but it is pretty valuable in getting that experience after you test about what's going to happen after you send an ASIN in. So we, That's why we test small. I'm partial to sports analogies, and the sports analogy I would use here is the practicing period. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a professional sports team, or if you're an, even an individual in an individual sport like golf or tennis or track and field or whatever, the practice time is not. I mean, it's it's needed. It absolutely yeah. has to happen. Absolutely. But nothing can simulate game time. Yes. And the, the, you don't understand part of the reasons that or all the reasons that you're practicing until you actually get in a game and face certain situations, mm-hmm. then that practice becomes much more meaningful to you. Yes. Right. Then you can go back and say, okay, well I tried this and I thought it would work, but here's what happened. Yeah. All right. Now let me adjust. 
Right. Right. This is part of the reason they have preseason in the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. So they can face yeah. other teams that have other strategies. Well, being able to practice game time. Practice real game time. Yeah. Not someone who knows what you're going to do. Right. But someone who's trying to anticipate you and someone also the same way the other way around. Yeah. We can't practice game time. At least I haven't figured out a way to <laughs> practice game time with the Amazon business. But this is... Testing maybe well, is... Well, I mean, that is game, but that is in the game. When you're testing, right. you're in the game. It's not... It doesn't count. It absolutely right. counts. It does count. Yeah, it yes. counts. But one, that's one of the reasons that we like to keep the risk low yes. in the early days. And test small. Yeah, test small so that it is sort of like a preseason game or an mm -hmm. exhibition game. So that worst case scenario, you get all your capital back and you're like, okay, shoo, that didn't hurt that bad. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Remember, <laughs> the idea is to protect your capital. There are no guarantees, but ideally, if you test enough, you we will at least get all your money back. <laughs> you're not really going to hurt yourself if you kind of test small, right? right? And test often. Test as often as you possibly can. In fact, the real process in the replens game on Amazon, we believe, mm -hmm. is testing. All yeah. We're always testing, testing, testing. Yes. testing if you find something that's a replenishable, and that, and by the way, just testing, you'll make money. Yes. And then when you yeah. find the replens, that's like the icing on the cake. Yes. So then or, you'll make more money at a time. Right. You'll have more dependable money. Mm -hmm. That's the idea of building the replens list. Mm -hmm. But you definitely make money with the testing itself. Yes. Now, you brought something up that re related to this point earlier this week from uh, one of your coaching sessions that was around the more having more capital to start mm -hmm. is not necessarily a benefit. Right. This was this came up just this week in uh, Jim's Monday meeting. Uh, he has a, a Monday afternoon meeting. You should go there if you get the chance. Really, really great information from Jim. I try to attend there. And they asked, the question came up, how much capital do you need? Mm -hmm. And that brought me to think about the fact that we we find a lot of clients, a lot of uh, people who are starting in the Amazon business, whether they're coaching clients or not, if they have a chunk of capital to work with and they want to get started, they haven't done that pre-work to spend that capital. Sometimes they get in a little more trouble because they tend to not have enough aces to test with it and they go too deep. Mm -hmm. They don't test small first and that they just get impatient because they've got the money to spend. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be a detriment in itself. I totally agree with that. The the risk we like to, one of the reasons we love replans is because it's a low, low, high model, low risk, yeah. low capital requirement, high chance for success. Yes. But one of the reasons it's low risk is because we keep it inch deep, mile wide. We're yes. testing small, mm -hmm. right? And we're gen we're not sending in a hundred items, a hundred new tests a week either. We're, no. you know, we're, we're gaining experience as we go. It, Eventually we could do that. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to build. We but will. Yeah. yeah. In the first few weeks. Months. Yeah. I recommend <laughs> even testing a few number, mm -hmm. make the small mistakes while you're small. Mm -hmm. Don't make big mistakes while you're small. If you put too much capital in too soon, you're, you're liable to make too big of a mistake that you can't recover from. And what's maybe not obvious about this is that the value in your business is not in the capital that you have. Right. The value in your business is in the experience, first mm -hmm. of all, and the ASINs, second of all. That's right. Those two things have to be there before the capital is really worth anything. Yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you're not able to use your capital in a way that is has experience and low risk, then you're risking 
way more than you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Before we go to the next yeah. point, I know I use my hands all, a lot and I have a glove on and I want you to see. <laughs> Jim was asking me the other day if I had, if I was cold mm-hmm. and I am not, <laughs> but I have a thumb injury. Oh, let's play the uh, violin here for you. Yes. It's a knitting injury. <laughs> it's Christmas time and I'm knitting too much too fast. <laughs> uh-huh. And I got an injury, so I have to wear compression gloves. So just so you know, I'm not freezing, but I do have an injury. Well, I have to, I have to, at least it's a knitting injury. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I've been talking about sleeping injuries. Like, oh, yeah. I woke up with a torn rotator cuff because I slept wrong. Stop. Right. We were talking about, he's like, he yes. Scratched the back of his head while he was driving, yeah. tore his rotator cuff. <laughs> well, even that is something like, uh, as opposed to the waking up, waking up with an injury, like, oh, sleeping. I got this injury. <laughs> right, I got a sleeping injury. I got a sleeping injury. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep, happens all the time. Mm-hmm. All right, young people. Yeah, youth is wasted on the young. This is true. Say. Yes, as yes. Mark Twain said, right? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, one of the things that uh, goes along with sourcing and testing and all that kind of stuff is uh, this great mini course that Jim recently dropped that is uh, around selling so above the buy box. So valuable. So I know we're both passionate about this, but why we don't are. you kind of talk about how this works? Well, I watched this course every minute of it. Mm-hmm. It was such great information to help me. And this course helped me describe what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Jim, so much for putting that together for us. He's selling it for like seven bucks. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's still on sale for that, but you know, check it out. See if you can get it. Whatever the cost, it is a great great mini course that he puts in there 50 different HIPAA charts of ASINs that he's actually selling in his business. Mm -hmm. And he's showing you where he sold it and where the buy box is. The buy box is down here and he sold it up here. And he's telling you how often he sells it at that. Three, four, five, six, 30 times a a month. Mm -hmm. These are real. They are true. We have clients showing us all the time, these same Kiba charts that they're selling way above the buy box. The, they're testing above the buy box because we told them to. Mm-hmm. And they're coming back and saying, I didn't believe it, but it did happen. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do you find those ASINs that sell above the buy box? You have to test. You have, you to, have test. to test above the buy box to see if it'll sell above the buy so box. So you're telling me that there's no place in Keepa that, that is going to let inform you that items sell above the buy box on the listing? Keepa doesn't even tell us <laughs> if if the item sold at, at the buy box. You're right. It just tells us it was priced there. It Basically, what Keepa is doing is going to the Amazon site, pulling a scrape of all the information, and the information that was available at that time is in that the location, current buy box what is Amazon sales rank of that item? How many offers were there? What were their prices? Yada, yada. It's just a scrape of the page. It doesn't actually know anything about sales. Yeah. And that's why we say Keepa gives us a lot of evidence and it gives us a lot of place to, to look at, but it doesn't give us anything that we know for sure until we test. We have to test that. So the multidimensional buy box, mm-hmm. Keepa does not take that into consideration. Yep. It can be a different price. I may be looking at an ASIN the same as my niece in Florida is looking at the same ASIN. And we may have two different people in the buy box, two different sellers in the buy box with two different different prices. prices. You could be in the buy box and not know it Mm -hmm. at a different price than what's showing on Keepa. Yep. And we've seen other instances where there was a buy box that existed in Florida and our listing, the buy box was suppressed. Yes. 
So I mean, our version. Every our, every you, location do, doesn't always have a Bible. Right. Right. Because and that's part of and Jim went into this in a podcast recently. That's part of why that's part of comes from the many different warehouses, mm-hmm. more and more all the time. Mm-hmm. And Amazon knows what's close to you. When if there's inventory close enough to you that they can meet their prime requirements. If not, they may suppress that buy box for a while for that person, but it may not be suppressed to someone who's near where the inventory is. And they're always, as we've seen, moving inventory around, but keep that in mind and keep it doesn't show us that. And this idea of selling above the buy box is not necessarily intuitive, right? Right. And we also don't know of another place where this is being taught. Not that I've gone looking for uh, different courses. Right, that's true. But it always seems uh, to hit people like they're very surprised by this. What? Selling about the buy box? about the buy box. Yeah, well, the buy box is, and we were in the beginning too, the buy box was the bellwether of how you determined whether you were going to be profitable on that. And it does give you some information. It gives you a lot of information. Well, and we do still use the buy box in Mm -hmm. step number two, the three-step check, which is, if there is the buy box. Affirming capital protection, right? If there yes. is a buy box, capital protection. We know if there is a buy box, we're that the lowest that it's been. If that is at least at our break even or above, we've got capital protection, theoretically. Because likely we can sell it at the buy at box if worst nothing case. else. Yeah. Worst case. So we want to make sure we're breaking even there. Yeah. No guarantees. So mm-hmm. You might have to sell a little bit below. And that's one of the reasons we encourage you to test more than one, at least five a week, because one may make more when one might have lost Few of them lose, but they can. Mm-hmm. And and you make that up in your other ASINs, right? So once again, what cures that? Mm-hmm. More, ASINs, More ASINs, right? So we could, this community could keep this information to itself. Jim yes. could have kept this information to himself. Oh, yeah. Each, each of us individually that know this and mm-hmm. have tried this could have kept this to ourselves. Right. But we didn't. The community no. didn't. Jim didn't. He made it. In fact, I remember this it was well over a year ago. In. Right. But well over a year ago, he was saying above the buy box, above buy yeah. box. And it takes a while for everyone to kind of comprehend what that is. And I think he nailed it, you know, really drove it home with this mini course that he's talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in podcast 554 was the first podcast that I saw Jim really dig into it and talk mm-hmm. about it. And that's what inspired us mm-hmm. to build the three-step check mm-hmm. based on selling above the buy box. So in the three-step check, uh, Jim doesn't do this three-step check necessarily. He does. He does try to protect his capital and have fast-moving ASINs, but but he's a little, you know, can do a little bit more risk. When we're working with brand new people, and this is just us as coaches, mm-hmm. when we're working with brand new people, they sometimes need, well, you know, how far above the buy box? Where do I price this? What makes sense to get started? Because I have no experience. Mm-hmm. And so the way we show them to do that is to look in the last 90 days and see the highest price that we see pricing of in the keep it chart. Even if it was just there for a moment, that's a good price. You have evidence that at least it was priced there at some point. You do have evidence of, of it being priced there at some point, And that's a good place to start you can always go down. If you start above that mm-hmm. or you start at just, you know, 20 or 30% ROI because that's what you want if your capital's protected, that's good. That's okay. Test it. You can always go down on your price. So, I'm thinking I have this vision of going fishing. Yes. Right? Let's say we're standing on the shore fishing and we can see in the water that there's a school of fish out there like say 25 yards out. Yes. 
Okay, but we can't uh, like our distant our vision just doesn't see much farther than 25 yards. Yeah. But what we're going to do is cast it to 30, 35, right. 40 yards. And we don't know for sure that there are fish out there, but we know worst case scenario we're going to come through the fish. Pull that pull that line that fly back. Yes. Across that one that we know is that out. where we know it's there. But that doesn't mean that there aren't any just because there Sometimes we'll catch them before we get back to that one. We do frequently. And this yes. is kind of like what it is with the buy box. And we wouldn't bother if we did, it didn't happen frequently for us. And I would say we uh this last week I've got several classic examples of selling above the buy box in this three-step check. Yep. Uh, mold where 90, let's say, you know, 84 days ago, the price of this item was $24, but it's been pretty steady in the $20 range ever since. So what our client did buy the item, mm-hmm. send it in, price it at $24 uh-huh. and sure enough, sold, sold, sold. And, and this, this, you like this was different than what Jim's, showing. yeah, well, no different from Jim's charts. Because in this example, we can see where the buy box actually adjusted and went up to sell oh, at twenty four dollars. Oh, so it did show his sale. It, it showed his sale often. But you've got clients where it doesn't. It, it doesn't. didn't register, right? Yeah. Just like Jim doesn't shared. necessarily show that on mm-hmm. keep a chart, even after you sold it at that price. And Jim shows that mm-hmm. in his he uses golden arrows to show where he sold it mm-hmm. and where the buy box was at that moment. And it's not. It's nowhere near yeah. in most cases in most of those charts. So that's great. But don't forget, I want to also remind people, even if you break even and you had to come back to that 25 mm-hmm. if yard fish, I don't remember what, yeah. <laughs> that fish that was closer. Mm-hmm. If you have to go down to your break even and you just broke even, there is so much value to just that. Yeah, you're not making any money or you might just make, you know, 5% instead of you still get to keep the 5 or 10%, mm-hmm. even if you don't get enough to, to replenish it. But you get so much value in the experience, in the ability to look back at that Keepa chart with actual evidence of what happened, actual proof of what has happened. Mm -hmm. You get so much value there. And remember, you get the value of showing Amazon consistent sales and activity, which that's exactly what makes them lift those restrictions and categories and brands. You don't have to send in and an invoice from manufacturer or distributor. Yeah. You don't have to go through that thing and possibly get approved, possibly not get approved, waste your money on that. Eventually Amazon will lift those restrictions. So whatever you approve for test everything you possibly can. Amazon doesn't know whether that you made sense. any money. That makes sense. Yes. Everything that you can while protecting your capital as much as you can, that's moving fast enough, do it properly. But those that are test worthy, test everyone you can, and that's what will lift those restrictions. And give you the business intelligence you need to scale up your business and be profitable. Yes, absolutely. These are, this is the value. That profit number is not the biggest value in the testing. Mm -hmm. Right? Agreed. Okay. Knowledge, information is, and experience. And experience. All right. So you shared something with Jim earlier this week that I thought was pretty profound. I've sent an email to Jim because uh, he got a message in in a Facebook group that I didn't think he would be able to see it. So I sent it to him in an email. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I had just had this happen twice in the last week to <laughs> us, and I wanted to share with him. So let's let's share with everybody what happened there. Working with new clients, we we tend to see day to day progress. Sometimes you know we'll get an email. Each, you know, during the week when we're not actually have a session with mm-hmm. them, you'll say, hey, 
I, I'm having trouble. I can't find anything. You know, I know you sent me on this path and I know you told me, you know, how to do this, but I can't find anything that seems like I should test it. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And we respond and we try to encourage them, stay on the track, make sure they're, you know, they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing. They didn't miss something. And so we, they are. we'll reassure them, maybe tweak things a little bit, just sure. depending on how things go. But basically just say, it's really about persistence. It's mm-hmm. not about something that's going to jump out at you on the first day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Twice this happened in a row recently. Mm-hmm. The next day mm-hmm. they emailed us and said, hey, guess what? I found three or four yeah. <laughs> to test. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, it is like that. Celebrated with them because Absolutely. that's where celebrate. That's a big deal. Remember when you were trying to find your first ASIN to test? Mm-hmm. It just it looks forever. It looks like it's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember I when you had me test uh looking for ACEs to test, and then I would run them by you because you knew what we were looking for, and you say, Oh yeah, but that's a two-pack, and you priced it as a one-pack. Oh, I was dejected. <laughs> I had to try again. <laughs> or, oh, but you sourced a 14 ounce and this is a 16. Yes. Ounce. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It does happen mm-hmm. in the beginning because I didn't have it. I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know those details yeah. well enough. I mean, we, I knew them in my head, but I missed them because I, you had looked at a lot more ASINs than I had. Yep. Right. So then what happens? They find the, oh, they, they follow up the next day and they're like, oh, I found three. And then like all they of a sudden they're like, oh, I, okay, now I'm finding them. So now they ship them in. Yes. And this is what happened with these these same two people in the last, this last week, same two people came back to us and mm-hmm. said, I'm not making any sales. Yeah, I sent this in like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and I, I'm not making any sales. Mm-hmm. I'm getting discouraging and am I missing something? Did I do it wrong? And we respond and we encourage them and remind them it takes a little bit of time. I remember back, we were talking about the six-week plan up yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably in FC transfer still, mm-hmm. or it just hasn't been received yet. I mean, it is Q4. Mm-hmm. Things are taking a little longer sometimes, and they just haven't they just haven't any sales yet. And then the next day, both of them, both the of next them. day yep. said, ah, I made five sales today. <laughs> and they were so excited, and we celebrated with them. Mm-hmm. The point here, and the reason we're sharing this, is not, in, not only to let you know that this can happen. It does happen to us all the time. We love that. But I think one of us put it this way. It's always darkest before the dawn. It's the it's old adage. Themes, yeah. Yeah. There's yes. The old adage. It's always darkest before the dawn. Meaning it, as soon as you start feeling like this is just not going to work, I am just never going to find anything. I am just never going to sell anything. Mm-hmm. I am just about to be done. Boom. That's exactly when you have to keep pushing through. Yes. Right? That's you exactly when you have push to power through, through. That barrier. When it's hardest mm-hmm. to push through the last part of that barrier. You know, I think about, we were just in the Eisenhower Tunnel this weekend. <laughs> and I think about how you go into that tunnel and it curves around, right? So you can't see the light at the end of that tunnel. You can't see it at all when you first enter. And it's a pretty long it's tunnel. It's a long tunnel. It's a long tunnel. There are lights and stuff, but but you know, you go in there and you just trust that you're going to come out the other side, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have any evidence of that. You don't have any proof of that in front of you. 
you have to follow the cars in front of you and trust that everybody's going the right way. And that built road was built that way. Right. You don't have proof, but you do have evidence because you're following cars and there is a they, paved they road. Moving. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they made a road for some reason. Uh-huh. Right. I'm following cars that have been there before. Mm-hmm. Right. And then suddenly you go around and you start seeing the light starts coming, coming towards you. And then all of a sudden you're out of the tunnel. And even though it seemed at the last moment that it was never going to happen, you turn that corner and there it is. Mm-hmm. It happens every time. It does. Follow the people who've been there before. They know where the light is. They know where the road goes. Stay close to them. They're going to take you right to the other side of the tunnel. But you're going to have to push a little extra in that last moment. Yep. All right. So we have a quote. Do we have a quote? Imagine that. I'm shocked. <laughs> Uh, you actually found this quote and sent it to me, and I thought it was awesome, perfect to put in here. It goes like this. Real difficulties can be overcome. It's only the imaginary ones that are unconquerable. Mm. This quote <laughs> is from Theodore Newton Vale, who I had not heard of before. Mm. This is so rings so true for us in this space. Yes. Because we are we have to go through a lot of motions without proof, mm-hmm. right? And so it feels... Mostly, it feels a little fake. Yeah, we yeah. The the difficulties are are in our head because we know technically, you know, whatever was I meant to say, (laughs) intelligently, the our intelligence, we know that it can work, Mm -hmm. but we have to experience it, and that takes a lot of faith. And so that is the imaginary um, one that can be unconquerable if you let it be that for yourself. Yes, I agree. And I, and I just wanted to share, I did talk to someone this week, one of our, one of the clients that I work with who, uh, she was afraid and it's not unusual. It's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. That's normal. She was afraid. What if I get an IP complaint? What if I get, what if this one doesn't work? What if that doesn't come in? What if that cost me uh, more than I thought it was going to cost me to purchase it? What if it does, you know, comes in broken? What if I don't package it right and the, the message, and she took it very well, she uh, agreed with me, don't run your business on fear. Mm. Fear is not going to get you anywhere, but it will stop you. And it's just imaginary. Mm-hmm. It's what we do in our own heads. It's not the reality of the situation. It's what we do in our own heads. Sorry. Reality hasn't happened. It's what if this should happen. It's the story we're telling ourselves. It's the story we're telling so ourselves. So tell yourself a different story. Tell yourself a different story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think this is a great place to wrap it up, but mm-hmm. let me ask you a question before we do. Yes. When you don't have enough ASINs because mm-hmm. you don't have enough money, when you don't have enough items that are selling above the buy box, mm-hmm. and when you're facing those days when you can't find anything or you're not making any sales... Mm-hmm. What solves that problem? What solves that problem, everybody? <laughs> More incense. All right, let's go get some. Let's go get some. Have a good Thanks, one, you guys. Have a great one. So thanks for joining us for today's episode. But before I let you go, once a week or so, we love to bring on my good friend, Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. We'll stick a link in the show notes. He is our resident legal and Amazon policy expert. He always has interesting stories and tips strategies to share with us about what he's seeing because he services so many listeners to this show and he sees what's happening in the real world out there for Amazon sellers. So what do you got for us today, Jeff? Hey, well, thanks for having me back on. What I want to talk about today is creating new listings. So uh, a lot of times sellers will come to me and they'll say, I'm thinking about creating a new ASIN 
or you know listing or whatever you want to call it, but they want to create a new ASIN on Amazon and they're asking you, one, how do I do it? Two, what do I need to watch out for? The question they usually don't ask is, should I be doing it? And so I want to kind of focus first on the should I before we talk about the how, because should I is the most important question. So you know, should you create a new ASIN? You know, there's sort of a decision tree that you can make. And the first question is, is it your own brand or someone else's brand? And the, if the answer to that is it's your own brand, then the, then the should I is yes, if I'm creating a new ASIN for my own brand. And then we'd, you know, we'll talk about it in another episode like branded bundles or when you should create your own ASIN. But the second question to that is if it, or the second decision tree point would be if it's someone else's brand, then the answer is maybe. Probably not, but maybe, you know, and so that's where we really want to talk about. So imagine you find a pair of Nike sneakers at the store. You know, you find, you know, I just got a pair of, on Black Friday, a pair of Nike Metcons for 35 bucks. I was pretty pumped <laughs> that they showed up and that they nice. actually, you know, they fit perfectly. But they, uh, you know, I got them, you know, if I was to try to go find them on Amazon, they don't exist on Amazon because they're a discontinued unit and I also have big feet. So it makes it even more unlikely that you'd find them on there. So if I was going to go create an ASIN for these size 13 Metcons, there it's going to say, you know, the first thing I'm going to run into a roadblock with is Nike. And so I'm going to type in Nike is the brand and it's going to say contact your brand manager because you're not authorized. You know, Jeff, you are not authorized to make listings on behalf of Nike. So at that point in your decision tree, the answer is, okay, I should stop. Like, or that or it should be what it, sellers should do. Now, unfortunately, we see with like Section 3 and with misbranded ASIN suspensions that we work on that some sellers don't stop. And they get they think that they are smarter than Amazon. And what they do is they go in and they say, okay, I know that these are size 13 Nike Metcons, they're men's shoes. So Nike is out, but I'm just going to make it say Nike weightlifting because that's what it says on the box is that they're weightlifting shoes. And so they type in Nike weightlifting as the brand. It allows them to create the ASIN and then they start selling. Unfortunately, a couple months later, they usually show up on my desk because they've been suspended under Section 3 for engaging in an abusive conduct because they sold again, they sold a misbranded ASIN. And Amazon consider, considers that to be fraudulent behavior. So the only time you should create listings is if the brand is authorizing you to create the listing on their behalf. Like we have some sellers that have direct relationships with brands, and the brands say, Yes, we want you to create ASINs on our behalf. Great. Kratom, you know, that's the same brand that can write you a get out of jail free letter if you need it. Meaning like you get suspended for creating ASINs again that, you know, Amazon thinks you're not allowed to create. And then your brand representative puts it on their letterhead. Hey, wait, no, Jeff was authorized to create the, this ASIN for us. Here's my contact information. My, you know, I'm signing it, my signature, my direct number, my email address, my mailing address, you know, all that contact information Amazon needs to verify. So by all means. That's a perfect letter of authorization. But if you don't have that letter of authorization, you don't have the brand's permission, and you're creating a listing on behalf of a brand that you're just doing because you found a product at you know the store, that's when you start getting into that danger zone, especially if it, if it says contact your brand manager to create the ASIN because you're not authorized. At that point, you should absolutely stop and you know do not pass go. That makes for, you know, make for a great gift to somebody else or return it to the store. Don't try to create an ASIN for it because that's where you're going to get in trouble. Similarly, on, you know, I mentioned that there's the how. When you're creating an ASIN, you have, assuming, say we typed in, you know, Nike and it said that I am allowed. It's not going to, but say it said I am allowed to create listings on behalf of Nike. Then you still have to get over 
the hurdles, which is your images have to be your own. So you can't just go to Nike's website and copy and paste the, the images of the shoes. Your bullet points, your descriptions, your titles, all of that have to be your own. So you have to do all your own original work to avoid any sort of copyright infringement claim. Yeah. So that has to be free of trademark terms. Correct. And you well, can't, you your know. descriptions and bullet points, which correct. is why my general advice, I mean, we've gone pretty far down this rabbit hole, but we've got a little more distance to go before we complete this. But my general yep. advice is don't set up new listings on Amazon, right. especially if you're new to Amazon selling, like you're in your first, let's say year, you haven't had a $30,000 a month yet. Don't even think about it. There's right. so much opportunity out there already. Don't even, that's just my general advice typically, because yeah. I steer people away from so many disasters. Uh, but there are cases where you, you can, and I like your Nike example. Let's say I am authorized. You know, this is, this is something I'd like to clarify because yeah. I've wondered this myself and I actually texted you not too long ago about this. Yeah. So I am authorized on a certain brand as a seller yeah. and I go to set up a new listing and it lets me the brand. I feel like the brand is feeling appropriately. I've got some good bullet points. I use a good image. It's not one that yeah. I stole off a website somewhere. Right. Am I okay? I've never done that myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> just sell on existing listings. I don't want to roll that dice. I'll let another seller roll those dice and I'll just look for the good listings that have avoided trouble for a while and I'll just sell against them because there's millions of them like that. So well, I think the key comes down to def the definition of authorized, actually. So... And that's and I say that because I've I counsel sellers regularly who tell me I'm authorized to sell this brand. And what they mean is they're ungated in the brand. Ooh, that doesn't mean you're authorized to create. That's two listing. different terms. Great yeah. clarification. So if you know, and sellers get upset, they're like, Well, it allowed me to sell this brand. Amazon said I can sell this brand. And then they get an IP claim or they get hit with a suspension or something like that. So you really have to understand that Amazon allowing you to sell a brand through either the auto ungate process or the manual ungate process, or even if it's not gated at all, does not equal approval to sell a brand, you know, or create listings on behalf of that brand. So, so if we're truly authorized, meaning, you know, you have the VP of sales giving you a letter of authorization with his right. contact information that he stand behind, right. then you, then you can create listings. I mean, you know, I've actually done that in my own business where there was a pet shampoo company that I was an investor in, you know, happy to say they finally sold, <laughs> sold out, but they, um, that was like last week, but they finally did. And you know, that we created listings for them because they had no clue how to like, they didn't even have an amazon.com account sure. for a buyer. So I created listings for them and the VP of sales actually funny enough, came to my house and sat next to me and was like, what wizardry is going on here? And I'd be like, can we say this? Can we say that? You know, and made sure that the listings were good, but there was a lot of brand involvement. They gave me the image files. They gave me the logos. They gave me all the text and everything to use. They just didn't know how to put it into Amazon. So there's, you know, that's much safer because then you're not, you know, you, no one's ever going to take it down for, you sure. know, infringement on behalf of that brand, at least. So, right. well, it, it, so here's another topic, you know, just, I've been doing this a long time and we sell against a lot of ASINs and I know that there's brands out there that don't like the fact that their stuff is being sold on Amazon, right? but Amazon continues to allow it without any policy violations because the listing is correct. The brand is correct. The pictures and images, everything's good. Mm -hmm. They just don't like it, but Amazon does regularly fall back. It's my understanding on first sale doctrine. Like, Hey, there's no legal challenge here that you can make against this listing. They didn't steal your image. They're not misusing your trademark or your brand. Right. Can we expect those kind of listings to continue to be generated and, and um, usable? Or is that a gray area that you feel like is kind of, Changing. Well, 
the first sale doctrine is not absolute. So I think that, you know, for, especially for newer sellers, they need to remember that, you know, it's, it's not a complete bar to litigation. And sometimes with litigation, you know, like we've had sellers that are existing big sellers get sued. And at the end of the day, it's the brand has deeper pockets than the seller. So it's easier sometimes to just settle those cases. But that being said, if a brand doesn't want their products on Amazon, like say Mary Kay, you know, they don't want their products on Amazon. They might not have the basis to take the listing down, but they still have a viable lawsuit against whoever created the listing without their consent because it's, you know, they're, they're creating listings without consent of the brand. Mm-hmm. And it does potentially constitute a, an endorsement or approval that does not really exist there. So, you know, if you've got like, especially like multi-level marketing schemes, I, I strongly encourage sellers don't create those. Systems. Yeah. Stay away from those. Right. Stay away from those. Now, if it's just like a mom and pop brand, like you're at, you know, you know the local grocery store, you know, mom and pop grocery store, and they sell, you know, Uncle Jim's, you know, honey ketchup or whatever. And you're like, oh, that would sell great on Amazon. And you've, you know, it's got all the appropriate approvals to sell in interstate commerce because certain local food products don't, but assuming that it does, then by all means, you could buy that bottle, take your pictures, create your listing. You're probably not going to have much pushback and you'd have to be protected by the first sale doctor. So it just right. depends on the circumstances. Makes total sense. But it also starts to make sense why, you know, we've got multiple seven-figure sellers in our community that have never set up a new listing. And yeah. you've helped illustrate there is some complexity here. New listings will continue to appear every day. Make sure the ones you're selling against have a nice track record of uh, no red flags. You know, we teach right. sellers, hey, if it's got a bunch of IP things happening, it keeps dropping down to one seller. That's We always warn people, hey, if you see, we call it the skateboard ramp of death. Up to yeah. 30 sellers and then down to one. Up to 25 sellers, then down to one on the keep it chart. Like yeah. that brand is grumpy. You do not right. want to be playing in that skate park, right? right. Take your skateboard elsewhere. That's a skateboard right. ramp of death right there. So we, we teach them to recognize those kind of things in our training, but it's just not necessary to set up new listings. New listings. Yeah, most, most sellers can go years without ever doing it. In fact, you know, just to put it in perspective, I created my first listing in 2017. I started selling in 2011. So that's six years of sales, probably even closer to seven years of sales that I made without ever creating a new listing. And, I, and then when I did start creating listings, it was because the brand, like I said, you know, the VP of sales was sitting right next in to me. In your living room, literally, right. Create these <laughs> listings to their specifications of what they wanted because he didn't have a seller central account. I don't even know if you have an Amazon buyer account. Right. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't want to learn it themselves. They just wanted their stuff on Amazon. And they wanted me to be the one to do it. So Yeah, which illustrates a huge opportunity. We're not going to dive into that can of worms right now, but we've got a module in the Proven Amazon course talking about these hundreds of thousands of brands that are confused and frustrated and annoyed by Amazon, but they know they need a presence there. Huge opportunity that we teach in our community, but topic yeah. for another day. But hey, right. great job, man. Hopefully we've talked people out of rolling the dice with setting up new listings when it's not necessary and which what they should be looking for on listings as well. Great responses, man. I appreciate your help. And for the listeners, just a reminder, I'm talking to Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. He's going to be a great sponsor at our May event, Orlando. Go to theprovenconference.com. Come meet Jeff and his team. They're doing a great job for hundreds of us. For a few dollars a month, you can put them on your team and help you avoid any of those problem areas that we talk about on these episodes. You can send them any of your legal issues or concerns. You guys are doing a great job with all the clients on your retainer program. We really appreciate you, Jeff. Yeah. And of course, uh, you bring up a good point. Any of these things that we talk about on the episode, like today's topic, I encourage my clients, schedule a 20-minute or 30-minute call with me. Let's talk about it one-on-one before you start creating these listings, or if you've already created listings, 
just run them by me or one of my members on my team and we can actually dive through them and make sure you're compliant before you find out you're not compliant or before you do something on your own and potentially have a pitfall because the consultations are unlimited and there's no extra charge for them. They're built into the retainer. And and very cost-effective thing to add to your your business early on for sure. All right. Well, good to talk to you, buddy. Happy back next week for another... uh, Another episode? Sounds good. Talk to you then. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.